0: There it is. Good morning, church. Good morning. You look amazing. You're doing well. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to read the baptismal certificate to you. So uh, we have 14 candidates right now for Five Mile Lake. And uh, so if you want to jump in on this, literally, if you want to dive in, literally, you get a Raise of Life certificate and a t shirt. That's a pretty good deal, right? so uh and this is what it says this certifies that according to the word of god your name has been buried in the waters of baptism and is no longer a slave to the old sinful nature but raised to life as a new creation in christ jesus according to romans 6 4 we are buried with them through baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father we too may be raised to life. So uh, that's what that's what we share today and uh, uh, it's a simple process. We hold you down until you decide the sinful nature is dead. (laughs) When we see two or three bubbles we bring you back up and everything should be fine. Uh Actually uh, actually uh, if you're coming you know bring darker clothing to wear right? Bring a change of clothes and darker clothing for the water Uh, Bring a towel, maybe sandals, something like that to uh, get into the water with uh, that kind of a thing. How many of you had a testimony this week? We've got testimony cards. We're going to hand those out. Um, It's increasing. God's just doing so many good things. Like last week, we had, that I know of, uh, three, uh, we might call them miracles right here at the platform, right? James Davis' knee was healed. Patty Herb's back was healed and then we had a lady here uh, we had she's not with us today they uh we're going to be gone this sunday but uh we had a lady here who came during the summit to our uh healing we had a healing deliverance afternoon during the summit and we do that every year at the summit we have a couple hours where you just come in kind of like healing rooms check in get ministered to so she had come she had a heart valve and uh, she had a lot going on physically uh and uh just had no strength and just uh, fatigued and and uh, anyway we prayed for her. we don't know what happened uh, God gave her a new heart or something so from that moment on uh, her heart her strength uh, her stamina everything's been like like new uh, and uh, and this lady is very young about my age extremely young but nonetheless <laughs> this is what she's experiencing and so, uh, so you know, the whole family's been coming to church ever since. I mean, it was just a crazy thing that happened. Uh, and so, last Sunday, she came forward for prayer, and she's had not tinnitus, not like a ringing in your ear, uh, that uh, yours truly is receiving healing over all the time. Amen. Glory to God. From running a worm drive skill saw, in this year, way too much. Uh, but uh, she had some kind of an electric noise going on in her head, been going on for two years, nonstop, uh, never, just, and uh, the Lord healed her last Sunday. She walked out the door. So she came, her and her daughter came running back into the building at the end of service, like, it's gone. So this is some of the cool stuff that God been, God's been doing, right? So how many of you this week, something happened, or last Sunday? Okay, one, two three, four, five, six. Yeah? Good. Okay, so they probably already brought you cards. Uh, Cameo had one she shared. She prayed for her mom on the phone, told her mom to place her hand on her back or the shoulder area. Her hand felt, this is what Cameo says, I felt my hand get warm. This is over the telephone. (laughs) How many of you know the telephone works? Yeah. Yeah, because your voice, right? It's your voice. Remember what Jesus said, that, you know, the spirit doesn't know time, space, boundary, distance, right? Yeah. So my hands started getting warm. Then she said she got goosebumps all over. And then uh, she said it completely felt better. There was a complete healing. Yeah. <laughs> to God be the glory, and thank you for taking a risk, right? Let's keep taking risks, Amen. Uh, uh, We had some others, uh, I'll just touch on these real quick, Uh, Jolene had one, God revealed something from her past uh, that she thought was healed, but it wasn't, it was something painful if touched, like something of the soul, and so she opened herself up to healing over that area and just has had a complete change over that, amen. Amen. So that's cool. And then uh, how many of you know God is in the wealth business? Jeannie had one. She's received two unexpected checks. Then we had Lori. Lori had one, and she'd come up and share a little bit about this in person with me as well, that God delivered her from suicidal depression and gave her new vision for her future. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God the glory. Oh, yeah, we're so so glad for you, Lord. So glad for you. So glad for you. Come on, he's working in our lives right now. He's working in our lives right now. Amen? We are partakers of the divine nature. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get these over here, and I might remember what they're for. And then, per chance, we might actually get to them. So they're supposed to have humans on them, but... Solomon Sterling's back in class this morning, so uh, we might not have humans on them. But if we have something there, you might get the idea. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, we're going to skip over some of the Melchizedek priesthood stuff, of which there's a bunch. And we'll come back to that later because he's all over in Hebrews, right? So 7, 8, 9, 10. uh, So we have more. Uh, of him that we'll get to talk about. Uh, So, But I want to dive in and kind of finish out, we'll try to finish out uh, chapter 5 the best we can. So let's let's dive in, though, from the top of the chapter, if that's okay. Uh, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins He can deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided, since he also is beset with weakness, and because of it, he's obligated to offer sacrifices for sins, as for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes this honor to himself, but receives it when he's called of God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And just as it says in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So, in other words, he was called of God as well. Yes? We okay? You still there? Verse 7. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety or his reverent fear. Now what, what he's going to move into here a little bit, uh, and I don't want to preach before we preach, but what he's moving into here to a little bit is that like, like Aaron and his lineage, uh, in a similitude that they could relate to the people. They could relate to the people because they themselves were human, Jesus too had to go through a process wherein he could relate to us wherein he could sympathize. So again, he's qualifying Jesus. A lot of what he's doing, he's qualifying Jesus and he's elevating the qualifications of Jesus actually above the qualifications of Aaron. And these two priesthood now are being compared and he's talking about the priesthood of Aaron uh, and throughout the book of Hebrews because he's writing to Jewish believers. So he's talking about the priesthood of Aaron and the Levitical system, uh, priesthood system And now he's also telling us about the priesthood of Jesus who is not called or not of the lineage of Aaron nor of the Levite, uh, tribe of Levite, but of the order of Melchizedek. Uh, So pick it up back at verse 7. Is that all right? Quick explanation. In the days of his flesh, in other words... Uh, and, and this is always good for us to prime our minds on this, uh, is that so much of the word, the New Testament, uh, we need to see it in the light of Jesus and his, his humanity. And that's a little bit of what he's trying to say here. He's trying to keep us remembering that, that Jesus was doing these things in his humanity, not in his divinity. Remember Philippians 2, 5 and following That he had set his divinity aside, though he could have held on to it, to walk this out, to please the Father, to work redemption for us. He had to set aside his divinity and accomplish what he accomplished as a human in, in flesh so that it would be effectual for our redemption. Because it wouldn't be fair if the divine Jesus beat Satan up right? Uh, I mean, that would only maybe take one flick of a finger, right? So, it wouldn't be, it it, it had, and of course, remember, this goes back to so many scriptures that we rehearse and talk about here, that the earth had been given to the sons of men. So, again, we're talking about not just God, like, redeeming the universe. His focus is on the earth. His focus is on humanity. These flesh and blood and earth suit people right that's the focus of redemption with Jesus and so he had given the earth to the sons of men this is part of why Jesus had to become the son of man he had to become a son of man he had to enter into our earth suit he had to enter into our realm and actually his flesh or his humanity was his passage into the sphere that God had given the earth to. That makes sense? He didn't give the earth to angels. He didn't give the earth to some other divine being. He gave the earth to the sons of men. So Jesus had to come into humanity that he might be an heir of the earth. Right? Now, the problem is, all of humanity was under the influence of Satan, because when Adam fell, essentially, the earth was turned over to Satan, because whomever you obey to that one, you are a slave, Romans 6, verse 6, right? And so, this is how Satan became the prince of the power of the air. He was just a creepy, crawly serpent, right? But... But now he has this place of authority. By the way, sideline on sports, this is how Satan could go back up and visit God in the book of Job. He was going in man's authority. He was going in what Adam could have done or previously did. Baseball later at the picnic, we'll throw you a curveball. Where's your humor? What's going on around here? At least a spirit of levity in this place. <laughs> All right. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. By the way, the actual uh, Greek there does not say from death, but out of death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, now again, we're going to talk about humanity. In his flesh. Uh, and we know where he did this, by the way. We know the premier place that he did this. Though there might have been some other places where he wept when Lazarus uh, passed away. He wept. There might have been some other places. But we know that in Matthew 26, he enters into the garden where there's a death before a death, right? And he's weeping over us. He's weeping over Israel. He's weeping over Jerusalem. He's weeping and he's crying unto God. And, uh, And this was, by the way, everything he did that's recorded in Matthew 26... He wasn't doing that in his divinity. This wasn't like the divine one dying on a cross. He knew that he had nerves. He knew knew that he felt pain. He literally felt pain. He knew that to accomplish what was necessary for our redemption, he had to allow himself to be beaten, to be shamed, to be whipped, to be placed upon a cross and to be nailed on it. So it's through this suffering, though, that he was identifying with the suffering that we experience, the pain we experience, being under the curse. Isn't that wild? So here it goes on. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became, now, by the way, we know Jesus was perfect. Jesus didn't sin. If he would have ever sinned, it would have blown the whole thing. He was born without sin, as the first Adam was. He did not sin. And there was no sin in him. Right? So when it says, and being made perfect, which, you know, the various translations uh, handle this very similar. Uh, And having been made perfect, he became to... All those who obey him, the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. What that means, having been made perfect, that means having been made perfect as a priest. Before he endured suffering, he could not have been a perfect priest because he couldn't identify with what we felt. And a priest, to be perfect, has to identify with what the humans they're representing feel. So his suffering is what perfected his priesthood. Now, he was also already perfect as a son. He was already perfect as Jesus. But it's the suffering that perfected him as a priest so that, that actually when you feel pain, the pain you feel under the curse, under the weight of the world system, under failure or or, or difficulty or struggle, the weight that you feel, the the pain that you feel, he can identify with it because when he suffered death, death, on your behalf, he was actually suffering through a form of the weight that's on you. So that's why we have a high priest who can sympathize. You ever had anybody make a mistake around you and instead of yelling at, the, yelling at them, you actually sympathized? Does that ever happen? Two of you? <laughs> Ten of you? I know, because you know somebody makes a mistake, and you know maybe you know maybe the the carnal. This is a sign of your maturity, by the way, right? Sign of maturity, because the the carnal reaction is maybe to shame them, bring bring it to light, yeah. shout it from the housetop. But when you when you uh, sympathize, when you have compassion, when you when you feel, when you feel kind of the weight or the result of the pain of what they just did, and you can emote compassion, that's pretty powerful. And that's, that's actually entering in a little bit to your high priestly role. See, Revelation comes out here in a ways in chapter 1, and then I think it's chapter 5. Twice he says that we are kings and priests unto our God. We actually have a priestly role with one another, in that we can emote pain, uh, we can emote compassion when our fellow brothers and sisters experience pain, and then that compassion can move us. Faith worketh by love. If you're moved with compassion, it'll make a demand on your faith, and your faith will reach and do something to bless that person. That makes sense. So let's keep let's keep moving although he was a son he learned obedience by the word by the way the word obedience here is not quite appropriate uh if that's okay for me to to just say that to you uh, it wasn't like jesus had a problem with obedience with, with obeying what he was actually learning this is interesting but the word in the greek is hoop a, okay and the word in the greek actually means that he learned to hearken or to listen for a knock on the door, or to pay attention. So this is interesting. The Holy Spirit's leading him, and the Holy Spirit's leading him actually into the suffering that will produce redemption. So God's got something really big in mind, something great in mind. We're told later in Hebrews chapter 12 that he endured the pain he endured he despised the cross he endured this for the joy set before him so father's ministering to him and showing him you and me a couple thousand years down the road we're the joy set before him right and so this is happening but obedience is not is not so much what you have to think about with Jesus is Jesus is the forerunner of us. He's the firstborn of many sons. And Father Father is bringing one dispensation to a close, a dispensation where people have been walking after the manner of the law as their connection to righteousness, and he's awakening a new dispensation with Jesus that has actually a return to the original dispensation with Abraham. Abraham is the father of all who will walk by faith. So Jesus comes along now as the second Adam. Jesus comes along as the forerunner of all of you and me, the forerunner of those who will walk by faith, those who will walk by hearkening to the voice of the Lord. So this is, uh, this, and, and so we see, this is interesting uh, as well. If you, It's kind of odd to think about this. That Jesus, kind of odd, this is kind of odd to think about, but that Jesus uh, also leaned upon hearkening to and following the voice of the Lord for his right standing with Father. Because if he would have transgressed, he could have lost his righteousness. Remember, I told you a few weeks ago that righteousness is actually not righteousness until it's tested. So when Adam, Adam, was, Adam was given righteousness, but when tested, he turned and followed another voice. Jesus is given the gift of righteousness, that is sinlessness, but when tested, he stays true and keeps following the voice. So the word obedience is woven into this idea that he's hearkening to the voice of the Father, that he's following the voice of the Father. And this is really a four-runner relationship for us because he's modeling for us how we're going to relate to Father from now on. He's the firstborn of many brethren. And we walk out our righteousness, we walk out this gift of righteousness, we walk out this relationship with Father... Not necessarily through the accomplishments of the law, not by checking the boxes on the Ten Commandments, but by hearkening to the voice of the Lord, right? Is that all right? So, uh, I mean, this takes, us to, uh, this takes us to one of our favorites, Romans 8:16. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. They're not led by the law. They're led by the Spirit of God. And of course, the Spirit of God supersedes the law. Remember, the law was a shadow of that which is greater, right? So the law, the the, the law being a shadow, then the spirit leading us, this is this is greater. This is this supersedes. This is how sons live. Is that they, they they're led by the spirit of God, right? So Jesus says in Matthew 5 5. That the righteousness, the righteousness of Abraham, the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness of promise, the righteousness of the of the born again ones will supersede the righteousness of the law. Is that all right? Okay. So just uh, some chips and salsa there as we move through the text. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him, all those who, same word, who, pay, who, who pakeo, something like that, okay? He became to all those who obey him, to hearken, all those who hearken to him, hearken to him. We're going to get into this more because this whole chapter is about this hearkening thing, actually. Um, yeah, so hopefully we'll get into it more. Uh, He became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. Now, he just gave him a right hook and a left jab uh, because no adult likes to be called a baby. You little babies. <laughs> Remember when you were growing up, somebody you know, you hit the whopping age of seven or eight or something and then somebody called you a baby, right? <laughs> Did you like that? So he's talking to the Hebrew readers, right? So in Rome, but then all the way back to Jerusalem and he's just got up in their grill and whacked them a good one. And uh, told them that by this time, you all ought, you ought to be professors, teachers. Uh, you, ought, you ought to really know this stuff. But instead, you need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and you can't go out to dinner. Go to the milk bar. You need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Now, this is interesting. Melchizedek shows up in Genesis 14. He's the king of righteousness. Jesus comes. He has the gift of righteousness. When tested, he remains righteous. Then his priesthood is established not by the order of lineage, but by an indestructible life. Indestructible. Well, let's kill him. Uh, That didn't work out good. He's popping out of the grave. Uh, Okay, so we can't kill this guy. You can't keep a good man down. You know where that came from, by the way? Good God, right? You can't keep a righteous man. Righteous people are going to resurrect. That's why you're going to resurrect, because you've already passed out of death into life. You've already passed out of iniquity into righteousness. Concerning him, we have much to say. You've become dull of hearing. Uh, By by now, you should be teachers, but uh, you're like babes. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed, acquainted to the word of righteousness. And by the way, that phrase, word of righteousness, that kind of hangs out there as like, whoa, what in the world is that? Word of righteousness, okay? So we're going to visit that a little bit and talk about that. For he is an infant. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Now, that's all the new American standard. Uh, but I want to I want to visit some of those verses real quick and uh, talk about what he's trying to say uh, in these verses. Um, is that All right. Let's go to uh, verse 12 and um, we'll pick it up there again and just read through that and I want to pick up on a few things. Uh, for, the, for one thing, the word baby here um, and the kind of the accusation of baby, the word baby here is Napios in the Greek. It means infant, little child, minor, not of age, childish, untaught, unskilled, one who needs to be carried, And cared for and he's saying that verse 13 he's saying that those who are babes are unskilled in the word of righteousness they are babes they only partake of milk Uh, one uh, one translation says unskillful in the word of righteousness another translation says uh, not accustomed to the word of righteousness uh, listen to the Passion translation. Uh, the Passion translation says, um, "This is good. You're you're like children still needing milk and not ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk has not yet been pierced by the revelation of righteousness." So that's interesting. He's talking about Melchizedek. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the importance of righteousness. Uh, and he's saying, actually, that righteousness, getting, getting this down, that this righteousness that you have, the righteousness of the good news, the righteousness of Jesus, has been imparted to you as a gift in and through what Jesus has done. It actually determines your acceptance of it, your understanding of it, your welcome of it. He's talking to Jewish believers who were very used to having a righteousness after the manner of performance and of the law. He's saying, "Your are understanding the gift of righteousness, the word of righteousness. This is critical for you to discern the voice of God, to hear what he's saying, for you to go on and actually receive greater things from God. So he's, he's telling us and. There's another little passage that tells us that in 2 Corinthians, I want to read it, 2 Corinthians 3.12, is this all right? Therefore having such hope, verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 3, we use great boldness of speech, we're not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it's removed in Christ. But to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now... This is interesting because he's making a very similar accusation in comparison to the Corinthians. He's saying that, and these are believers in, in Corinth, and he's saying that if you that were acquainted with the law continue to think that, you're, that your connection to God is through the law, you're not understanding, you're not realizing there's actually a veil over your heart. It's almost like what he's saying in Hebrews, you're dull of hearing. You're dull of hearing. When we come to Christ and we access God and receive the gift of righteousness through Jesus, this is where the veil is removed and this is where we begin to perceive higher things and our ears perk up, our heart is lifted into a realm where we can hear what God is saying and now once we can start partaking of meat and not milk. that right righteousness let's talk a little bit about righteousness Uh, when he uses this word righteousness by the way it's the same word that's translated justification we know what justification is just as if I never sinned imagine yourself as Jesus Well, because Adam sins, so don't imagine yourself as Adam. But just for a moment, imagine yourself as Jesus. Having never sinned, would life be different for you? Would your perspective be different? You think you'd have a little more victory over the enemy? And, and this is what he's saying, is that he wants us to become so acquainted with what, what he's done on our behalf, what God has done through Jesus, that we become familiar, acquainted, pierced, transformed with this word of righteousness. It means justification, justified, just as if I've never sinned. It means right standing as a son. It means in right standing with God, just as Jesus Christ. It means given a place at Father's table. It means brought into the family. It means given a full inheritance with Father. Our pre conversion state is shame and worthlessness and fear and performance based acceptance, guilt and condemnation, barrenness and sorrow, open to fear. But what God's done for us in Jesus, He's imputed the gift of righteousness to us. There's one verse Paul writes about to the Corinthians. He says, Through his poverty we were made rich. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Through his poverty we were made rich. Another verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. That he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ we have become. And this word righteousness, it actually defines your new identity. It's not just a spot, a place, but it actually defines your new identity because it means son, it means daughter, and it's beyond adoption. It's not like just I was added to the family because you've been born of the Spirit, then he has sent the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you, to change you organically, you are not who you were. He's marked you with the Holy Spirit on the inside. Adoption is one of the ways that we talk about bringing into, being brought into the family, but it is a short-sighted metaphor or parallel because we are truly those who are transformed by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, he couldn't come and dwell in messed up people if he didn't give us the gift of Jesus' righteousness as a gift, right? He, He couldn't. So, I mean, what he's after is relationship. He's after relationship. So he gives us what we don't deserve in Christ when Christ takes upon himself what he doesn't deserve. This is great exchange so that we can have relationship. Yeah? So uh, these chairs represent, uh, this is Solomon, but he's actually working in kids this morning. This is Solomon Sterling. Used to go by Sterling for many years, but now he goes by Solomon, which is his true name. Sterling's his middle name. And this is uh, some other 19-year-old. What should we call this one? Bob, we'll go for Bob. All right, so we got Solomon over here. We got Bob over here. Uh, And I I want you to, by way of illustration, I want to talk about this a little bit, is, you know, this is what righteousness means and righteousness does. Uh, Solomon, uh, Solomon is a wolf. And I know I've alluded to this, but I want to work it a little bit. Solomon is a wolf. He's a wolf by birth. Right? Right? So he bears, he bear, he's got our DNA. Do you have anybody's DNA? Yeah. He bears my DNA. And, and when I was talking to you earlier about compassion, it's kind of interesting. Uh, like uh, two days ago, he couldn't find his wallet. And uh, what I find is the more the more the love relationship grows, like with me and him, right? It's like the more I emote into this feeling of compassion, right? Instead of like, well, what'd you do with it? (laughs) Well, you stupid kid. (laughs) Well, if you'd do this or that, blah, 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 right? I'm like, whoa, where could it be? I mean, I just emoted into this compassion, this sympathy. And that's what I'm talking about is that that this is, this is father, by the way. Uh, so, so when, when you're sitting in this chair and, and you have been born into God's family, most of the time we think where it says the Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth, Romans chapter eight, we're thinking that he's bearing to witness to the truth that we're no good that we didn't measure up, that, that we're not worthwhile. But I think that the truth that he's bearing witness to is that when we blow it, when we fall short, it doesn't kick us out of the family, doesn't even change the family name. I think the Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth that, hey, I got better things in mind for you than that. Hey, you're royalty. Hey, come on up to a higher level. Hey, you don't need to grovel down there. Hey I got I got more resources for you. And I think that as a child and so here you are over here that this righteousness is a gift imputed to you by what God has done in Jesus. And here's here's Bob over here, right? So, Bob I can use the word Bob, and Bob, because it's my dad's name, so I'll just and my brother's name, so I'll just beat them up real good kidding. But uh, here's Bob over here, right? If Bob is not a wolf, if, if, if this Bob over here is a Johnson, whatever, no amount of acting like the wolf family will get Bob into the wolf family, right? So Bob's over here trying to measure up, trying to measure up, trying to measure up. He sees this wolf family. He'd like to be in the wolf family. He really sees cool things happening with the wolf family. Uh, he, he he really likes the wolf family, but no performing can actually get him into the wolf family. And this is this is part of what Paul's trying to say to the Hebrews in this chapter: is that you're over there in that chair, that's you. That even when you are not perfect, that's you. And he did that so that he could get his voice on the inside of you, connect with you, so that you could become one who's tuned in. Remember what the word obey means? It means to pay attention when the door, when someone knocks at the door, it means to listen well, right? It, it, so, so your heart is lifted and you begin to perceive, oh, your father's calling me to, and you begin to rise up to this higher life that father's calling you to long before you deserve it in perfection because he has granted the righteousness of Christ to you as a gift. I need the band to come help us move into our first closing. Now, there's a little more in this chapter uh, that he goes on to say. And he actually, if you read the rest of the chapter, it's interesting. He says, I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation as we close. Solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. They've been adequately, adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. In other words, when you're sitting over here in this chair that I am a son, a daughter of God, covered by God, I'm the righteousness of God, I have communion with God, then you begin to actually perfect this relationship of discerning the voice of the Spirit because over here in this... Realm, like he said in Corinthians 2 Corinthians 3, there's liberty here for you to not only listen well but then step out on those things and begin to see, Oh, yeah, that was the voice of the Lord. Oh, this is what the voice of the Lord feels like. I get five goosebumps on the right side and a wiggle on my left ear. You think I'm teasing? I'm not teasing. Uh, I, I, I recognize there are things about the voice of the Lord when it comes to me. I actually recognize the voice of the Lord because there's something special about the voice of the Lord. My sheep will know my voice, and it's different than any other voice. It brings peace immediately. It brings faith immediately. There's a quickening often with the voice of the Lord. Let's stand up this morning. And this is what he's saying. And, and, and I, want, I want to close with this. God is trying to develop in you a righteous consciousness. He wants you walking around, running around, getting up, going through your day, not thinking I'm a worm, I'm worthless, I'm no good, I'm a sinner, I'm a failure, I'm messed up, I'm probably not going to succeed in that. He, he doesn't want that. He wants you functioning with a righteous consciousness that he has placed in his spirit in you. He's testifying constantly of a higher truth about you. He's the greatest cheerleader. He's testifying about these crazy things about you, and he wants you to believe they're actually truth. They're truth. The spirit of truth is bearing witness to truth, that you are his beloved. You're a joint heir with Jesus, an heir of God. So he wants you to have this righteous consciousness. It's to be mindful always that you are one with the Lord, justified, accepted, transformed. You have a new nature and you are a partaker of the divine nature. That's you. That's you. That's you. Yeah. Come on. Give him a thank offering this morning. Now here's what he knows. Here's what he knows. If you'll start thinking that way, you'll find yourself sinning less than you've ever sinned before. You'll find yourself failing less than you've ever failed before. You'll find yourself fearing less than you've ever. I mean, I mean, these negatives in your life that, that wanna hang on to you are just gonna drop off like scales off of a dead snake or fish or something. Come on, let's lift our hearts and our hands this morning. Lord, we love you, we bless you, we thank you you've brought us in to the beloved. We thank you that you've brought us in to the family, not just the metaphor of adoption, but we are organically yours. We are transformed. You've actually come to dwell within us and you've brought the witness of Father, you've brought the witness of the divine on the inside of our hearts. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted. Hallelujah. Oh, I can't get enough of your amazing love, of your amazing love.